morning in Romans chapter 13. We will start in verse 12 because that's where the, con- the subcontext of the greater context is. The Bible says, The night is far, is spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. This morning, there is a conundrum, if you will, in the text not in this context specifically, but if you compare Scripture with Scripture, we are going to find this morning that in a sense, if you are a believer, you have already put off the old man and have put on Christ in the past tense. How many understand that? Let me explain it this way. If you have put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ you are already, in a sense, already perfect in the eyes of Christ. Because you are under the umbrella of Jesus Christ. How many understand that? You are positionally perfect. Now let me ask you, are we perfect? Not a chance in the world are we perfect. Now, there was a group called the Methodists, and there still are today, And within that Methodist group, there was a group of believers that believed in perfectionism on this earth. They believed that they could get to the point that they no longer sin. There is a problem with that. B.B. Warfield affected this problem and wrote a book about it. And he said, listen, guys, you're nuts. I would say amen. He didn't say you're nuts. That's craft version. Got it? He theologically went through it and told him, this is just wrong. There is no such thing as Christian perfectionism in the flesh. As long as we are in the flesh, there is a propensity to sin. Is there not? Folks, you cannot drive down Highway 35 and see billboards and say, praise God. Because they're nuts, the filth and lewdness that is on there, or the words that are on there. You can't turn on TV and these commercials are full of double-meaning, dumb stuff. I mean, movies. They have Disney movies. They're full of that filth. By the way, be careful, young, be fair, be careful young parents. Just because it's Disney and it's a cartoon does not mean it's not full of sexual innuendos that they can't understand, but they're learning. It's filth. And the text that we're dealing with today is based on, listen guys, a Christian is to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind, and as a result, love one another as themselves, amen. And put themselves second or humble and and keep encouraging and loving one another. Is that not what the whole Romans 12 and 13 are all about? We've gone through it so much, you should say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been there, done that. Don't go there again, Pastor. We know. Got it. Got it. If you understand that, praise God, because that's a huge deal. 
He has already gone through saying, love does not do this, love does this, right? Well, now he's telling you again, theologically, that moment. Just for a second, because this will help us understand where we're going. The Bible says, let us cast off the work of darkness. Let me ask you, if you love the Lord and love others, are you going to give provision for your flesh? No. If the motivation is love the Lord, if you love the Lord, what are you going to do? Please Him. Amen? Everything I do, I want to please Him. He's the one that saved you. He's the one that's pulled you out of the miry pit of sin and hell. And you want to please Him. This goes into a marriage covenant issue, a marriage relationship issue. Listen, if a husband and a wife go into marriage wanting to please themselves, how is their physical life going to look like? It will. It'll be terrible. You are here to please me. No, you are here to please me. I tried to show both. Okay, whatever. That was a flop. But you got it, right? Husbands, your job is to please her. Wives, your job is to please him. That same type of love is exactly what Christ is talking about. Our job on this earth, Christian, is to please the Lord. Whatever that means, that's what we are to be doing. Amen. And this is the essence of this text. Because look what he says, let us walk honestly, not, uh, not rioting in drunkenness. That's a fleshly. Here's the reality. America is infatuated with self-pleasing. You cannot go anywhere inside, outside the church and find it's all about, how does that please me? How can I be sit back and be entertained and be pleased? That is not God's way. That is just the opposite. And that's what this text is talking about. Now the conundrum is this. The conundrum is, in a sense, we have already put off the old man and put on Christ. We find that in other scriptures and we'll read them throughout the text this morning. But at the same token, we still live in the flesh. And so we, unfortunately, if we are not continuing to put on Christ or be saturated in his word and with his people and constantly be in love and loving God and loving others. If that does not tell people who we are, then we are making place for the flesh. In other words, we will be, as we are putting on Christ daily, we will be putting off the flesh does that make sense? Let me, let me explain it this way, and maybe this will help. How many have ever heard of sky pilots? What's that? In CER, you heard about sky pilots. Besides CER, and I didn't define who that was, kind of a little bit, but how many have never heard of what a sky pilot is? Okay. <clears throat> I'm sorry. We found out that a lot of this phlegm is in my throat, and... Anything carbonated helps. 
So, excuse me. Sky Pilots, that name was coined in northern Minnesota. How many knew that you were famous? Or your area is famous? How many have ever, how many knew that from from Duluth all the way westward until you get to the plains, it was all these big, huge white pine trees. They were so big. How many have ever been to the Lost 40? The reason it's called the Lost 40 is the guys in Chicago and out east wanted lumber for their houses. (laughs) And white pine makes really good houses. How many understand? And so they literally cut down what you see here are second and third growth of Minnesota. Except the last 40, they couldn't get to it because something with swamps and I don't know all the issues. But they couldn't get to it. And so that's still around. But what they did is they came through and they just, they logged the whole place off of the white pines. There's a book called, and you need to get this book. Now don't everybody go on eBay to get it because I still got to get my first edition which is still there and you're going to put up the price. Don't do that. (laughs) But this book is called Last of the Giants. And it's about the story of a lay preacher. I don't know if he was Methodist or Presbyterian. I think he was Presbyterian. They would come up here and they would preach the gospel in the logging camps as they were cutting down these huge white pines. Not did they, they didn't just come and say, hey, I'm the pastor, I'm going to watch you work. How that would go. They would work alongside of them up in the trees cutting down these things. And there was a revival that took place within the logging camps because here's these ordinary, hardworking guys alongside of me that have joy and love. And where do they get that? It's from the Lord. I want that. Amen? That's exactly what was happening. They were going out and doing this. It's phenomenal. They would literally go into the bars. And they grab a hold of these guys. There's, there's scenes in that book of their smacking each other around and pulling them out of the bars. Because they're believers and they don't belong there. Here's the reality. They would go into the bars. Would that be making provision for the flesh? Yes or no? Should a drunkard go into a bar? No. You're making provision for the flesh. How many get this? We still are fighting this flesh. If you have a problem with pornography, stay off the internet. Don't make the provision for the flesh. If you've got a problem with this or that, whatever it is, don't make provision for the flesh. Instead, spend your time loving other people, doing something else for the Lord. Amen. That's the essence of what's going on here. Putting off and putting on. This morning I have got like four different authors that I am using because it's very it's a conundrum. Yes, we've already put off the old man, but yes, we're putting off these things still today. Yes, I've already put on Christ, but I'm still putting on more Christ every day. See, the both are true, and because both are true, it gets a little complicated. 
if you would go into the commentaries, they would call it the imperative um, as opposed to the indicative, and they both are together. And that's very difficult to understand. That's why I didn't even say it. How many know exactly what I just said? I get it. It went over my head all the time. So I don't use that, all right? In other words, this conundrum, we need some help exegetically, and then let's talk about other scriptures that deal with this. So, the Bible says, this is where we left off. Wake up, right? Wake up from our sleep. Why? The day is here. You're already done. The night is gone. The day is here. Wake up. Wake up. The night is far spent. Wake up out of our sleep, verse 11. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore, how, what are we going to do now? Let us cast off. So wake up, cast off. Amen? Wake up, cast off. It's time to wake up. It's time to, to put our pajamas off. How many of you have been to Walmart lately? Literally, I don't think this world has ever read this verse <laughs> and taken it literally. Wake up, throw the pajamas off, put on real clothes, and get to work. That's the picture that is being sent today in the text. Throw it off. Throw off the clothes of the night and put on the battle gear. Because, folks, we are in a battle. This world does not want to exalt Christ. They want to exalt themselves. Now that fits with peripheral Christianity who also just want to sit down, hear a message on a screen, and go off and live their life as they please. The problem is there can be small bits of joy in that, but that joy doesn't last and it isn't nearly as great and awesome as we find the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. So, throw off these things. Lay aside. Curious idea of forsaking, renouncing is the idea. Renouncing what? The darkness. Renouncing those sins, those horrible things. Let me ask you this. You've heard what happens when a drunkard comes home to his family, right? Those kids and that wife never experience the joy of the Lord from him. They experience the works of the flesh, do they not? Our government is embroiled and saturated with the works of the flesh. That's how they're going to do things. It will never be right. It will always fall and falter, and we will always pay the price. Right? Lay aside. If you, there are a plethora of passages that exactly say the same thing. Lay aside the old self. That which we did before we were saved. Lay that junk aside. It's being corrupted in accordance to the lust of deceit. Colossians chapter 3. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech with your mouth. Do not lie to one another. 
since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. In that context, in Colossians chapter 3, we find the indicative. It's already been done. At the moment of salvation, you said, yeah, this is the old me, this is the new me. I want to be like Christ, not like that guy or Satan. At salvation, we were and positionally are pure, but practically, we battle every day. If we don't battle every day, then why in the world was, was Ephesians chapter 6 ever written? Put on the armor of God. This is a war. It's a war between the spirit and the flesh. And too many times, it's too easy to let our flesh do what it wants. And here's the word we use. What do you feel like today? <laughs> Let me ask you, do all do any of you, I feel like sleeping in every day. Unless there's an elk that I'm here bugling and I'm in a camping tent and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to get out of there now. <laughs> but again, that's self-motivated, is it not? But it's not about how we feel, it's who we are. We're in a battle and we're in a fight. We need to get up and get working. And it's a battle. That flesh is a battle. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, another passage, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which does so easily entangle us. I mean, our government is so entangled in sin, they're talking about how to call a guy a he and how he can have a baby. Are you kidding me? Talk about nutso. Talk about entanglement. Put aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, and envy, and slander. By the way, I am not advocating that we hate homosexuality people. That is not up for us. Listen, folks, homosexuality is a sin. Transgenderism is a sin. We don't hate those people, we love them. Because guess what? Each and every one of us are sinners too. It's not the same sin, it's still sin. And it's against God. How many understand this? I refuse to preach from the pulpit that those people are wicked, horrible, nasty people that deserve what they get. That's wrong. If that's true, then every one of us should go to hell. Now, I totally disagree with homosexuality and transgender, all, the, all that stuff. But I will tell you, I was once a sinner also saved by grace. I still am a sinner. You know, we have this idea that the sins of somebody else are worse than the sins of me. Well, you just proved that your sin is even worse, if you think that. <clears throat> Put away all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, and envy and self. That's in First Peter. Put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, and in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. Put on... So the, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and then do what? So get rid of those things 
and let us put on the armor. Listen, when we become a Christian, when we are saved, when we have put our trust, faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when that moment happens, we still have a lot of baggage. No one can get rid of their sins in order to be saved. It's not possible. You are saved despite those sins by God's grace and mercy. And then we're saved. Our love changes. We are no longer in love with the evil. It kind of, ugh, that's kind of yucky. We embrace what is good and we hate the evil. But some of those things we just, yeah, you know, I still like doing those things. I get it. That's our flesh talking. Love what is right. So, when you got married, man, did you love him or her, right? Depending on if you're a guy or a girl, right? You love them. You have these eyes like, I, I just, so I have young adult children. I have young men and young women. And they are in this stage of life where eventually someone's going to catch their eye and they're going to love them. I'm going to understand that. But as soon as they get married and as soon as she or he does something stupid, ugh. right? <laughs> And what happens is we will then grow in true love. Right? It's not all of a sudden that, that love that we had back then was kind of like really shallow. And now it's like in sickness and in health, only death will do us part. Let me tell you about this sickness thing. Could you imagine coming across the Atlantic Ocean in a small little boat with double the size of stuff in it and a lot more people than what should be in it and they're all seasick? Anybody know what boat that was? C.E. hours, yell it loud. The Mayflower, that's exactly that happened. I could not handle You ever heard of uh, uh, contagious throwing up? I hate throw up. Ugh. As soon as I smell it, I join in. If that's love, do we love? I mean, as soon as they're out of the bathroom throwing up, hey, can I give you a kiss? Can I show my affection to you? Ah, circumstances don't change our love for each other. Amen? That's the type of love. Lay aside these things, all filthiness, putting, and not only do you lay aside these things, but also put on the light of Christ. Put on the armor he needs to fight the day's battle. Armor is made for warfare that protects us from the evil that's out there. The Bible talks about it, like I said, in Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the what? 
the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to fight against the fiery darts of the wicked one. Okay, there's a lot there. Number one, the wicked one's throwing darts at us. That dart could be a wrong TV show. That dart, that, that dart could be a lewd friend. That dart could be liquor. That dart could be sexual uh, sensuality. Whatever it is, everybody's different, amen. But those darts are all over. Now, the last thing you want to go and do is, where can I get the most of those darts and I want to be a part of that area? How dumb is that? That's exactly what he is saying. You not only need to get rid of those, but you need to put on this armor. Now, unfortunately, some people have the idea, and these sky pilots, that's why we talked about it, these sky pilots, these preachers that went to these logging camps, they, they had this problem as soon as that logging, that territory were done, they would, would then go to town. And guess what happened in town? Matter of fact, you see this house over here, this farmhouse. That farmhouse was built in 1887. 1887. It was built on the river, probably the Mississippi River, right? Down, they couldn't, here's the reality. How many want to know history of Grand Rapids? This is really important. So they literally could not get the boats up past the Grand Rapids of the Mississippi. Go figure that. They couldn't do that. Their boats couldn't get up there. Therefore, they had problems with the logging industry because of it. They couldn't get the people up that far. They could only go as far as La Prairie, where the gymnastics are. You know where the gymnastic thing is, right? That's where they could get to. All the way up there is all rapids. So the man that built this house, that's where it was located because he, they located as far as the people could come. He then took that house, moved it to where it is now, and they built a hotel to accommodate the loggers. And in that hotel, you could say there were two things that for sure were right there because they could make a lot of money. Brothel and beer. Right? And that's what they did. They would come back to town and they would have all that they wanted to have. And guess who owned the, the, the liquor joint and the hotels and they were you, you get it i don't need to go into drastic detail that's what they did they come down and literally in this book the last of the giants you see pastors going into bars punching people out and dragging them out of the bars i'm not kidding you that happened here from bemidji to grand rapids to effie that little part is where the whole story takes place it's exactly the issue. Those men were going to come down and spend all their money on the flesh. Then what? 
then what are they going to do? I'm broke. I got to go back to the logging camp. They were a slave to their sin. Were they not? They were a slave to sin. And they couldn't figure it out, but I got to stay out of those places. <laughs> I, and that gets up here. I'm sorry. I'm way ahead. Why? Why do we need to put on this armor so that we can resist in the evil day? The more we put on to Christ, the more we are in the Word, the more we are saturated with God's Word and we're talking with the Lord daily, the more those things happen, man, your armor gets thicker and better. It's not only just leather anymore. It's steel or platinum steel and just, just all of a sudden it's like you can't even get through it anymore. How many get that? The more you are saturated and putting on Christ, the less this flesh is going to impact your life. When I grew up, the people, preachers would say, the girls I used to date, I don't date them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. How many, how many remember those things? Basically, that's what it's talking about. Why don't you do those things anymore? Because you are closer to Christ. You are putting on Christ. And you are, as the last verse says, not making provision for the flesh. Those things detest you now. But here's the question. Do they? Because there's a lot of Christians that it really doesn't. They just have a good front. But they still want to go back to their old life. Now, whether they are Christians or not, that's not up to me. But just like it says in Galatians chapter 5, which Scott just read, people that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's pretty black and white. A true believer puts on Christ. He's already put him on, and he's going to continue to put him on. God's full armor it keeps going. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. When we watch movies and entertainment type things, do we put up with some stuff? Here's the question that I'm not going to answer for you, but here's the reality. Should we? I remember sitting in front of the TV and, oh, quick, shut that part off. Oh, too late. How many get it? God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship, there's more passages. and I just love bringing all these verses in. They're so helpful. 1 John, 1 John is fantastic, by the way. Amen? Man, it's talking about loving God. If you don't love God, you're not a part of His life. You have no part of Him. Verses, we just, I just gave you verse, uh, if we say we have fellowship with Him, verses 6 and 7, we, have, uh, we say that we have fellowship with Christ, and yet, we walk in the darkness. We are playing with, we know these things aren't godly. We lie. 
we lie and we're not doing the truth. We're not practicing the truth. We're living a lie. And by the way, if you're a Christian living a lie, I am so sorry. You have the most horrible life you could ever have. I don't agree with this, but that's why the Kessicks had this phrase, let go and let God. And, and that, that gets ridiculous, and I totally dismiss it. But there is a point to this where there's some truth. Let go of your old life. Get rid of it. There's something greater. I've said this before from the pulpit. I saw it this week on, on Facebook. How many have seen a picture of Jesus holding a humongous teddy bear behind his back? And there's this little girl standing there with this little tiny teddy bear. And the caption is, just trust me, I have something for you. And she's unwilling to give it up. That truth is somewhat understood in this text. We think it's fun to do all these things of the flesh. And there's a little bit of enjoyment in it to our flesh and what we're missing is the greatest joy we would ever have. Amen? It's so true. We're just afraid to get up, give up things that are fun, if you will. Or we think they are. <clears throat> you were formerly of darkness. Chapter 5 of 1 Again, it's, it's just there's so much. Verse 8 of, of where we're at in 1 John 5. If you were, you were formerly of darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Therefore, what's the idea? Walk in that light. Walk as children of light. Therefore, we have, therefore because we are children, we, have, we behave differently. Folks, we have been given... A garment without spot or wrinkle. We have the peace of God living within our lives. We are blameless before Almighty God. Therefore, act like that. How did you? Let me ask you this Is Jesus the Son of God? Children of God. Are we a child of God? So then what are we to live like? Christ showed us, did He not? Love one another. Serve one another. Wash stinking feet of enemies. MacArthur says it right when he states this. After Paul admonished the Colossian believers to consider themselves dead to the various sins to which they were prone and to put them all aside in Colossians chapter 3, he reminds them that when they were saved, they had laid aside the old flesh with its evil practices. And they put on the new self who was being renewed. New man every day as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved they were to devote themselves to righteousness, putting on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing one another, forgiving one another, putting on love, 
which is the perfect bond of unity. We are to behave as if we are of the day, which we are of the day, as kingdom citizens. That's how we are to behave. Children of God, we are to be the light of the world. When the Puritans came over to uh, New, New England, in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, one of the pastors preached, a city that is set on a hill. How many have ever heard of that? The light of the world. They are to be that light of the world. They were trying to make the king. Now, they're trying to bring the kingdom into the earth and, and whatever. That's just, I think it's bad theology. Regardless, Christians are the city that are set on the world. They are the light of the world. Amen. They are, in a sense. First Thessalonians chapter 5 deals with the same thing. Be sober. Because we are children of the day, we must be sober. We have the breastplate of faith and love. Act as if faith and love are real. The helmet of salvation. God does not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we look differently. Then he goes on and says, okay, let us put on the armor of the light. Let us now walk honestly as in that day. Don't be a fake. I think Hollywood is best exemplified in most of our churches today. How many know Jennifer Aniston? How many remember John Wayne? <laughs> How many remember Ronald Reagan? <laughs> you, you, you can name all these actors. How many church people are the same? Do you know why the people do you know why the world hates the church? There's a couple reasons. One reason is they hate God. Okay, that's a given. The second reason is church is full of hypocrites. True. True. There's not a one person in here that's not a hypocrite, including the pastor. It's not that, that we aren't all hypocrites. That's very true. It's that we are hypocrites that need help and want help. Does that make sense? We want help. We want to be this. How are we going to have help? How is that help? Here's, let us walk honestly. Just be honest. Just be transparent. Just live who you are. Isn't it hard how many have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Three quarters of you, the rest of you have just told a lie. Right? All of us have lied. And here's the deal. Oh, what did I tell that person? I can't even talk to them because I remember what I said to them. If you just lived honestly, could you just face people as they are? Yes or no? Amen. How many hate that feeling that you can't talk to them because you can't remember if you lied or not to them? I remember my cousin, we'll just call him uh, Doug for now. <laughs> my cousin Doug and I were just two peas in a pod down at the split hand area deer hunting. We were the guys that went through the marsh, the swamp, on our hands and knees, full of muck. Just, it was terrible. We were the, go get them dogs, <laughs> right? We were the guys. So, 
I remember very clearly going through this woods, pushing deer, and Doug and I got out and we saw these does. And no one had a doe permit, but we were close enough to the cabin. How many see the conniving going on already? We were like two blocks away. And so we got our 30-30s, right? <laughs> boom, boom, we start shooting these things. And then the, 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 our dads and uncles and grandfathers. So uh, what were you guys shooting at? Oh, we saw bucks. We saw bucks. They went in. Where did they go? They went into the pines. So Doug's dad came out, who was in the pines. How do you think that story went? They weren't bucks. They must have vanished because I saw all that herd of deer, and every one of them was a doe. Are you sure there were bucks? Well, Doug and I, we're going to stick to our story. They were bucks. They weren't bucks. We lied. How many times do you think they would let us stand and shoot deer now? How many get this? This is our life. We impact our life when we sin. And we impact it negatively. Let us walk honestly. Be honest. And then he goes on, and oh man, we don't have much time left. But he goes on and then he talks about specific things that I think are really important. Not in rioting and drunkenness. The idea is carousing. It's, it's, a athletic, it's a victory celebration. It has the idea of, it turns into a drunken disorder. Don't do that. And what happens with that would be partying. I, I'm so glad America is over the partying. The sexual orgies, brawls, and they end up in riots. I don't know if you know this, but literally that happened during the tent meetings of early America. It's these fake Christians or unchristians would come to these big tent meetings and literally they'd be tenting together. Does that make sense? Drunkenness was happening when, all the, when the preaching was going on. That does not work together. There's nothing to do with each other. That's why some of the church people said, this stuff is nuts. This is wickedness. It's wrong. But that's what happens when you bring all these people in from who knows where else and they truly aren't unbelievers or they're still giving opportunities for the flesh. By the way, men, I want to talk to you for a second. Men, until you're married, it's hands off. 
Did you hear that? Until you're married, it's hands off. That's called fornication. And it's a sin. You say, well, why does God want to take a pleasure from me? He's not. Fornication affects marriage, biblical sexuality. It affects it drastically. Do you want to have the greatest, one of the greatest gifts that God has given you during marriage? Then you better not fornicate because you'll blow it. Are you listening? Carousing. And then it goes on, and the reason I bring that up is it's right here. Sexual promiscuity. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And sensuality. Now, when I was growing up, it was the men that always, that was their problem. Not today. It's both men and women. How can I dress promiscuously in order to get what I want, which I don't understand, but will affect me when I get married drastically? There are some young women right now who will never have a child because of what they've done before they were married. So it isn't just men, it's men and women. And by the way, listen, I will scream this from the mountaintops because it was screamed to me wrongly as I was growing up as a young Christian boy. And that is this. Sex is one of the greatest gifts He has given you and me. And will be experienced as the greatest gift if it's followed biblically. If it's not, it will be a disaster. It will be hindered and you will not be able to enjoy what God has given you biblically. It is biblically normal for a man to be attracted to a woman and a woman attracted to a man. Amen? That is normal. But listen, young people, listen, 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 and listen, old, older people, not old people, older people, listen, listen, listen. Do not put yourself in compromising positions. The leader of one of the biggest Baptist congregations, or Baptist uh, denominations, has just left, disappeared. They can't, he can't be found. Totally took all of his stuff off. Why? He put himself in a position where he was compromised. Don't do that, folks. Do not do that. Your body is designed for these things. So when you put yourself in a position where those things are easily happen, they will. Don't put yourself there. You say, well, you're putting up fences. Listen, I'm just speaking truth. God has designed you as a sexual person. Men and women. That's how the design is. Got it? Biblically. Don't put yourself in a compromising place. You will destroy your family. One of my mentors growing up, we just had him preach and taught in our men's breakfasts. This man grew up in a Christian home. He lived in a Christian home. He lived in a Christian home, went to a Christian school, 
married a girl that was Christian all her life and then became a guy that was drinking a drunk and an adulterer on the side as he was a deacon in the church. Why? He put himself in compromising his positions. Again, look at the text. Make no provision for the flesh. Stay out of those compromising areas. Amen. I don't care. And I've got to, I've got to talk to... to, to uh, <clears throat> Never mind. Okay. Sensuality. Shameless access, no restraint. Lewd sexual immorality of in, unabashed lasciviousness. Listen, sex in a negative way is splashed all over everything in this world today. Period. It is. If they want to sell, if they want to sell a insurance or eggs from a chicken, they're going to bring sex into it somehow. Because it sells. It is what people want to hear. Why? It's of the flesh in the negative sense. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you saw a liquor commercial or a, or a tobacco commercial with a girl in a um, snowmobile suit? How many understand what I'm saying? Sensuality has the idea of there's just no restraints. It's all out, whatever I want now. It's what we find in most colleges today. Strife refers to persistent contention, bickering, petty disagreements, enmity. It has this idea of competitiveness and fights. I want to be, I want to have the upper hand. It's egotism. It's pride. It's the exact opposite of humility. Zealous. I'm just going through the list that are in the text, okay? Term which we get zeal. It's the negative sense of jealousy. Strife and jealousy, impurity, immorality, immorality. Paul never lost sight of the fact that he himself and this is the issue. We look at those things and oh, oh, wicked, wicked, wicked. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And it is. But too many times we become legalistic and think we're above that. That is wrong. All of us deal with these things, folks. If you're human, say amen. You deal with it. These things are there. We've been conditioned, not only since birth, but it's in our face daily. So if that's all we are being consumed with, well, what are we going to look like? But if we are starting to be consumed daily with this, preaching on blogs and all this, you can, there are so many resources to be submerged in the Word of God. So many. There's no excuse. There isn't. But we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. 
Uh, now, I am not giving this message. So <laughs> this is what I love about expository preaching. I know of, I've heard of pastors that preach this message when they're about to confess lewdness sin. How many understand that? So then people will forgive and just go on, right? That's not why I'm preaching this message. I'm preaching this, I'm not, don't wait for the punchline, it's not coming. Got it? Not that I am not guilty of being able to do these things, or I, I am guilty of sinning. I am, I will absolutely embrace that. I am. The reality is all of us are, but we have to understand like Paul did, I am the chief of sinners. I'm not to look down my nose on these people. We're all sinners. We need grace from each other. We need encouragement from each other. We need love from each other, not just cast away. Amen. Why do you think church discipline is the way it is? You go to them one-on-one. -on -one. Listen, I understand. I'm a sinner too. Can we get this worked out right? If you won't listen to you, bring two people. If they won't listen, bring it to the church. Why? Give them opportunity, opportunity after opportunity to forsake their sin, to repent and say, hey, listen, I am sorry, I was wrong. Do you please, will you please love me? And the church will say, amen, we're all this way. We need each other. Too many times, especially in extreme fundamental churches, these sins are hidden and when they are hidden, they come out and it destroys any ministry they ever had. Let me ask you this. When the issue with the priests were coming out, with the children, do you think that impacted the church negatively? Yeah. Because what did they do with it? They tried to hide it. Lastly, and, and I'm out of time, so we don't have a lot of time for this, but let us walk honestly, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness and strife and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. How are you going to know the mercies of God? By being saturated in His Word. When you know the mercies of God, what is your awesome, what is your, uh, 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 the result of that? What happens? What is the re result of, the, of, of seeing the mercies of God? I want to do everything to please Him. If you want to do, do everything to please Him, how are you going to know what pleases God? You've got to search the Scriptures. When you search the Scriptures, you're going to find out what more He did for you. <laughs> and you'll love Him more. And your growth in Him will go. And, and then when you see that, I almost said a bad word, the C word. Not, it's not a swear word, but kind of. <laughs> when you see that garbage on wherever, it's like it repulses you. How many understand that? It repulses you. It doesn't, yeah, let's just skip that part. It repulses you that you want nothing to do with it. That's what happens when you are putting on Christ. It's not say a prayer, live like you want, and you're good to go. That's garbage. 
It is a relationship, an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. How much better does it get than that? So put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, make no provision for the flesh. Do not put yourself in a place where you can revert back to the wickedness that you were in before. Make no provision. Why? Because that fulfills your lust. It's not, and here's the whole sermon in a nut, it's not about our physical, fleshly pleasure. It's about His pleasure and His glory. And when we get that straight, wow, our lives change. It's not about our pleasure. I will leave you with an illustration from when I was a kid. He called me yesterday, my mentor did, Pastor Moeller. I love him. Pastor Moeller, I was just thinking this on the way here. The Moeller family has influenced my life greatly. Um, Dwayne Moeller, who is now gone, was my mentor as a, like a, I was like 11 years old and playing tackle football. He was my teacher for English and he was terrible. But he loved me and I loved him and I grew dramatically because of him. Simple man that just was, loved the Lord. He died, unfortunately. But then his brothers, the one I'm going to talk about right now is Pastor Moeller that you all know. He was a teenager when I was growing up. And then he became my youth pastor. And then he became my pastor. And now he is my friend and colleague. That man calls me once a month to tell me, we pray for you every day, Tim. How's it going? We need men like that in every one of our lives. He would, as a teenager, I was a teenager when he was my pastor, he would take me, one of the biggest things he could do well was calling ministry. It was just huge. And talking to people about the, about the Lord and winning people to the Lord. That was, his, that was his niche. Fantastic. But he would take me, when I would go calling with him, he'd then take me fishing, trout fishing. That was his getaway, right? And he'd take me. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I can know your secret spots. Well, by the time, that wasn't true because it was in the dark. <laughs> and then he would walk a mile, and we on the stream, and, and that's it. <laughs> but I remember these streams. How many have ever been to Whitewater? Whitewater is south, or it's, it's west or east of Rochester. It's a, it's a park, Whitewater Park, and it's full of trout streams. And he would take me there, and I remember these streams are very little. They can be as small as this, wide. I remember going to a pool, and there was a pool of water that couldn't have been five feet diameter. It was just terrible. And not the circumference. It was five by five. That's how big it was. And he put his, his nightcrawler in there. What in the world are you doing? 
<laughs> it's like a cesspool. It's like a, it was like, literally, it looked like an, uh, uh, what are they, Brian, what do you put in? Septic tank. It's like the top of a septic tank and you're just fishing. I mean, that's, it was crazy. And he pulled, he had this thing that just almost broke his rod. And it's going, that's all it can do. It can't go anywhere else. And he pulls up this four pound trout out of this little tiny stream. That's a big deal. How many would say that's a huge deal? It's got the hook jaw and everything. Y'all understand. You fishermen know what I'm talking about. It's old, it's beautiful, and I'm like, he looked at me, he said, Tim, this isn't nothing. I'm like, you're nuts. That's everything. You can tell everybody what you did. You can show everybody. You can be proud and da-da-da-da-da, all flesh. He said, Tim, I find more joy in seeing an elderly man dying on his bed, giving his life to Christ, than I did catching this fish. There's more joy in seeing someone come to a saving knowledge of Christ than there is in catching this fish. I'll never forget that. Here's the question. Are we there? Paul said it too. I have no greater joy than to smoke an elk at 800 yards. No. I have no greater joy than to see that my children walk in truth. There's nothing greater. But here's the reality. That takes a lifetime of putting on Christ. Their tastes are no longer the weird world tastes. They're God's tastes. Does that make sense? It's called maturing. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Does that ring a bell? Mm. You want to change the world for Christ? Love Him. Be immersed in Him. Put Him on and make no provision for the flesh. That is the key. That is the method. All that matters it starts with this, truly loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Once that, once you're doing that, your life just like, and that stuff doesn't even matter anymore. Where are we at? Do we truly love the Lord? Amen? What a great passage of Scripture. Fantastic. Romans chapter 13, next in three weeks. <laughs> We will be preaching Romans chapter 14, Lord willing. And I pray that we're all back here together and have been putting on Christ so we're more anxious to get more truth. Amen. And re reveling in the mercies of God. Praise the Lord. I'm going to have <coughs> Rodney close us in a word of prayer and then you'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for your goodness. 
Thank you for that convicting uh, sermon today, Lord, that we all can learn from that, Lord, that we we need to put off the flesh and, and put on Christ daily. we got to remember that, that the Word of God is Christ speaking to us, and that every day we should be about his glory. We should want to walk according to his example in our daily lives, Lord. Help us be stronger in the church, be stronger in other people's lives, so we can help them grow. Um, you've just blessed us with a, with a great church, Lord, a great church family, and, and we thank you for this, Lord. And I just pray that we would examine our hearts daily in an effort to bring glory to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.